Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Can I have you open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Obadiah? We've been there over the last several weeks. I mentioned that accordion this evening. You all have heard the uh, definition of perfect pitch, right? Definite, definition of perfect pitch is when you throw your accordion in the dumpster and it hits your bagpipes on the way in. That's perfect pitch. So we will do an accordion message this evening. When you read your Bible, you should be reading it on different levels, asking questions, and if you do this long enough, it will become routine. There are those who will come to me on Sunday and say, I never saw that. So let me just give you one simple key to understanding your Bible as you read it. So we believe that we ought to read our Bible grammatically. What does the grammar, what are the words saying? What are the words saying? What is the intent of the author? As we read grammatically, we read literally. And so we believe the Bible to be a literal book with a literal meaning in every verse and line unless it explains itself otherwise. Certainly there are some pictures and metaphors For instance, when you go to the book of the Revelation, and they'll explain, be explained for you, grammatically, literally, historically. How does this fit into the history of the context? I want to read my Bible historically. Then theologically, what doctrine is being developed here? What what foundation can I have in biblical teaching here doctrinally? I want to read my Bible grammatically, historically, literally, doctrinally. I like to read my Bible dispensationally. What do you mean by that? Well, um, I need to understand, was this something that God was instructing Israel about in the Old Testament or the church about in the New? I want to read my Bible dispensationally. I want to read my Bible practically so it steps on my toes. So I'm asking the question, so what's the practical application of this? After all, God's word isn't just something to uh, be measured in our mind. It's something that ought to move our hearts. And so as we open our Bibles again this evening to the book of Obadiah, we remember that Obadiah means servant of the Lord. The only thing we know about Obadiah, the author of this book that bears his name, is his name. We don't know who his father is, what tribe he represented. We don't know what town he came from, what his occupation was. We don't know how long he lived, whether he was married, how many children he had what kind of persecutions he went through. We don't know anything about him except that his name means servant of the Lord. And in knowing that, we know enough. That's a wonderful name. And that's exactly who this man, about whom we know nothing else, uh, that's what he was, a servant of the Lord. And like Jonah, Obadiah obviously is a very short book. It's a very short book, just 21 verses, only 670 words in the King James Bible, and it's never cited in the New Testament. In other words, it's never quoted by the Lord, though he quotes many other Old Testament books, never quoted by the apostles. You don't see any references to the book of Obadiah in the New Testament, and yet we know it's part of God's word because Jesus affirmed that the Old Testament that was used in the synagogue in his time was altogether God's word, from the writings of Moses to the prophets. And included in the prophets in the times of the Lord was this short book, Obadiah. And Obadiah is a minor prophet, not because it's short. The minor prophets are not minor because they're short. The minor prophets are minor because 
they are focused in on a narrow time, a narrow message, perhaps to a narrow group. And that's Obadiah's situation. Obadiah is specifically written to speak of the fall of Edom. The Edomites, with the children of Esau, they had grown into great strength. They lived down in the south of the Dead Sea. They lived in what would today be modern-day Jordan. The Edomites claimed their home to be Mount Seir, their capital was a place called Selah, which you read that word in the Psalms. In the Psalms, I like to say that Selah, that pause, that's not supposed to be read when we read the Psalms aloud, is a pause to cause us to think about it. Well, they had a capital called Selah, which became Petra. And they were known as a fortress city because in order to get to the city of Selah in the kingdom of Edom, you had to go through a very narrow ravines that were very easily defended. And so proud of their situation. If you were to outline the book of Obadiah, I think you can outline it this way. Edom is doomed. You read about that in the first nine verses of the book of Obadiah. God says in verse three, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock. The fourth verse, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence I will bring thee down, saith the Lord, and they're doomed because of their pride. The pride of their heart, verse three, deceived them. Not only are they doomed, they're denounced. Beginning in verse 10 through verse 14, God specifically speaks against the violence that they exhibited toward Jacob. And because of that, shame would cover them. And God is going to speak specifically of the sins that they perpetrated against Israel. Israel, the children of Jacob, were being offended against by the children of Esau, the Edomites. And God denounces them specifically for their prejudice. Their prejudice against the sons and daughters of Jacob or Israel. When you come to verses 15 and 16, Edom is destroyed. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it's going to be done unto thee. For as ye, verse 16, have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. They they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as they had not been. Edom is destroyed. This is the prophecy of God toward Esau's children. And the last verses of this book speaks of Israel being delivered. But, see the transition in verse 17? But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. These are the promises of God. Simple outline of a short book, but I think it encapsulates what the Spirit of God is telling us here. As I read Obadiah on a practical level, I see that it contains many eternal, universal principles that we ought to consider and we ought to consider often. And this is not an extensive enumeration of the principles that are found in Obadiah. But there are some of those that we've considered in recent weeks as we've opened up the book of Obadiah together. We discover in this book that others may see our path to destruction even before we do. Verse 1, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a rumor from the Lord, 
and an ambassador is sent among the heathen, arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. So the ambassador, the official of other nations, there's a rumor that's transpiring among the heathen with regard to Edom, that Edom is going to face destruction. And I read that verse and I realize it's true. That often we may be going in the wrong direction and we can't see it. But others can see it for us. And thankful we ought to be for the friend who warns us of our pending destruction. And often we see others on the pathway toward destruction. The rumor has gone out, so to speak, that God's judgment is coming. And when we see others on that pathway of destruction, we have an obligation to warn them. The book of Jude says, on some having compassion, making a difference, hating the garments that are covered with sin. You pull them out of the fire. Edom was in a pathway to destruction. People were whispering about the destruction that was coming upon Edom. And all the while, we're learning in this great book that God is sovereign. Behold, I have made thee small, God says. I, God says, I've made thee. The Edomites, they were the world's superpower, yet they were small among the heathen, and they were greatly despised. How did that happen to them? God did it. In Deuteronomy, or Daniel rather, chapter 4, the word of God reminds us that the God that we serve is the most high ruler over the nations, the kingdoms of this earth. Our God is sovereign. Even so, when we read the book of Obadiah, we see his sovereignty expressed. He made them small among the heathen. And God reminds us in this great book, small but great, that pride is always punished. Verse 3, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 11 and verse 2. When we read practically and pause to allow the Spirit of God to teach us, the book of Obadiah teaches us that there's no earthly fortification that can ever protect us from God's wrath. Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, from thence God says, I will bring thee down. And God can erase from the earth the memory of those who were once thought to be mighty, Verse 5, if thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the great gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? In other words, he's saying, he's predicting total annihilation. Unlike the robber who comes and just takes valuable things and leaves everything else behind, or the person who comes into the vineyard and leaves some grapes behind. No, 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 that's not going to happen to Edom. Edom's going to be totally obliterated, totally forgotten, just like Psalm 1 says. The ungodly are not so, they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. What are the principles in this book? Why do we look at it and say, we'll find our hearts stirred by the book of Obadiah throughout eternity because God wrote this book and embedded in this book, there's another principle. And that's this, earthly alliances will fail. How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought out? All the men of thy confederacy have brought have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. The United States of America is a country that boasts of great alliances. Of late, there's been a whole lot of discussion of the North American Treaty Organization. These have been great alliances that have given us a measure of peace for decades. We should never depend as a nation 
on earthly alliances, we should still remain one nation under God. The earthly alliances would fall apart. Man's wisdom, you see, is weak. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom, verse 8, and understanding out of Mount Esau? Man's strength cannot save, verse 9, and thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of Mount Esau may be cut off in the slaughter. Man's strength cannot save. And then this principle that really is at the heart of the book of Obadiah. Old divisions need to be healed because if old divisions are not healed, they can bring destruction upon us. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, verse 10. Shame shall cover thee. It had been hundreds of years since Jacob and Esau had their rows about a birthright and a blessing. It had been 400 years since those men lived and died, more than 400 years. And now their progeny, their children, are continuing that battle. Had that division been healed, perhaps the plight of the Edomites could have been sidestepped, but it wasn't healed. And then we learn you cannot be passive when other people are abused. In verse 11, in that day you stoodest on the other side in the day that the strangers carried away captive forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem. The Edomites are pictured standing and watching with some measure of glee while the people in Jerusalem are being ransacked and destroyed. They thought they could get away with being passive. They weren't the aggressor against Jerusalem in that time, not yet. But God held them responsible for their passivity when the people of Jerusalem were being abused. You can't be passive when others are being abused without inviting the judgment of God. And God will judge our words, not just our actions. The 12th verse, thou shouldest not have looked on in the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in that day of the destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of their distress. Don't forget, Matthew 12 reminds us in verse 36, every idle word that we speak will give account of in the day of judgment. What other principles do we see? Well, we see that the promised land clearly belongs to Israel and those who invade and cast lots or take away parts of the promised land will face calamity. Verse 13, thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked upon their affliction in the day of their calamity. The people of Edom are guilty of going into Jerusalem and parsing out the promised land. We should aid those who are persecuted. You should not have stood in the crossway to cut off those who did escape, verse 14. And the golden rule that we know so well individually also applies to nations. Verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it will be done upon thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. God is going to keep his promises to Israel. Verse 17, upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. And Israel is going to be avenged. And the house of Jacob shall be as a fire. Verse 18, the house of Joseph of a flame. And the house of Esau will be for stubble. Israel will be avenged, and one day Jesus, verse 21, will rule all nations, and saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge them out of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. How do we know the Bible is God's word? So many ways. 
I just shared with you 17 themes for 17 sermons. We've been five weeks in the book of Obadiah. But you can go on and on and on. This is a book that no man could ever have written. It's a book that accurately tells us the history of the affairs of men. But more than that, it guides our steps aright. And even in obscure passages that we tend to read over in our devotions and say, I really didn't get much out of that. If we pause and say, Lord, help me to read this passage grammatically, historically, theologically, dispensationally, and practically, what a book and what a God we serve. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Thank you.